and welcome on into Patriots and Northwest Soccer Podcast. I'm a bit now joined by Austin Miller, as always. Back from our hiatus. Took a break last week, but we're back and we're recharged, refreshed. We are back with a lot of points in our back pocket, Amit Malik. Six on the women's soccer side of things, nine on the men's soccer side of things. Quick math tells me that's 15 points to break down. We were undefeated since last time I recorded. Never lost. Maybe we should take breaks every other week. We might have to. We might have to. Um, just a lot of wins. Uh, we're going to start with women's soccer. Two big wins. Over Minnesota, number 23 Minnesota on Not Thursday. No more. No more. Wisconsin on Sunday. Two teams that were in the top 20s in RPI. Austin, let's start big picture. What does it mean for Northwestern to get these two wins after two frustrating losses? It means that Northwestern is feeling a lot more secure going into potential postseason play. This team looked as though they had turned everything around, and they had turned everything around. They'd run off a string of wins. Then they went to West Lafayette, got beat 2-0 by Purdue. We're still, as we said, right in the thick of the Big Ten race at that point. And then had probably one of their most difficult results of the year, a 1-0 loss at Illinois. Illinois' RPI does not speak to the talent and the progression that Illinois has shown this year, but their RPI is really low. And that sank Northwestern's RPI all the way down to 62. So going into this weekend with two beatable teams, but two teams with good RPI numbers in Minnesota and Wisconsin, I think Northwestern was feeling like, all right, it's time. And boy, did they show that. A pair of 2-0 wins and a pair of impressive 2-0 wins. Yeah, they dominated these games and never really looked like that either Minnesota or Wisconsin was going to score. Maybe one stretch in that Minnesota match. Lauren had two very good saves. But for the most part, again, as you said, the result didn't seem like it was in doubt in either of these matches. And a little bit uncharacteristic of Northwestern just to get those two first-half goals. That's not really... They don't score twice in a game often. They have a little more this year. And they usually don't score early. They usually leave it late. They did it twice in a row. Yeah, and I thought it was really complete. And just back to that RPI talk for a little, Northwestern now 44 in RPI. Shows you what those two wins did for them. And right now, they're solidly back in NCAA tournament contention. Yeah, and the two games, as we'll get to uh, coming up in a little bit, the two games left on your schedule, Nebraska at RPI 61. Uh, as we'll get to, Nebraska is a team that has played out a lot of draws this year. That would not be a terrible result for Northwestern. A win against Nebraska, you're feeling really good. Michigan State is not in a great spot in the Big Ten table, but their RPI is 99. So that's not going to really hurt you playing that game. It's not that it's not a real RPI landmine like maybe Illinois was. So two more winnable games coming for Northwestern. Then you look at a first-round matchup in the Big Ten tournament. I think they can feel really good about where they're at right now. Probably a win and a draw away from feeling safely in. Yeah, I'd say the, the NCAA tournament now looks to be less of a worry. And I think the team right now is focused on finishing as high as they can in the Big Ten standings ahead of their Big Ten tournament. They want to get home field advantage, which is the top four. Yeah, the format of the Big Ten tournament, 14 teams in the conference, only the top eight make the tournament. The first round of games are held on one weekend. The top four seeds will host those games. One plays eight, two plays seven, et cetera. And then the semifinals and the final, this is a change from years past, will be held on the north side of Indianapolis, so they will yeah. be on a neutral site. In the past, they were held on the, the top home. seed remaining. Exactly, on the home field of the top seed remaining, so that could yeah. even the playing field. You remember what. last year, Northwestern went up to Minnesota. And played Rutgers. And played Rutgers, yeah. But, so yeah, top four, I think, is now the goal for this team. And when you look at the table, Ohio State top with 21, Penn State just behind on 20, Minnesota on 19, Northwestern is in fourth right now on 16, 
And if they win their final two matches, no matter what happens in front of them or behind them, they're guaranteed to finish in the top four. Yeah, I talked to Michael Moynihan about this, but the most important thing from our point of view is that they control their own destiny. In fourth place, if they win out, no team can catch them in fourth place. They guarantee themselves a home matchup in that quarterfinal. And they could find themselves higher up depending yeah. on the other results. Minnesota still has to play Ohio State. Minnesota's only three points ahead of Northwestern. So if this weekend Northwestern knocks off Nebraska and Minnesota loses to Ohio State, boom, the Cats are up into third on the tiebreaker. So yeah. a and lot still to happen, a lot of permutation <sighs> to be played out, but they're looking really good right now. Yeah, I think next week you'll hear us talk a lot more about what we expect from the Big Ten tournament. But just giving you a preview, this is what's on the team's mind with these two matches left. Uh, we can talk a little bit specifically let's about Minnesota. Yeah. Um, let's start with that Minnesota game. You were on the call for this I one. Was. Um, Northwestern the first half, two set pieces, and then kind of coasted from there. What was working well for them? Well, set pieces, obviously. Yeah. Uh, one, The first set piece was kind of classic Northwestern. Yeah. Marissa Vigiano on a corner kick. She's been fantastic on those all year this year. Pinged in a ball to the far post. Hannah Davison got ahead to it. Minnesota's goalkeeper, Sharp, made a save. Brett Oliveira was there to clean it up. Boom, 1-0 just like that. And I think that probably would have been enough for Northwestern. And then... Minnesota it kind of gifted them that second goal. Yeah. Um, they held a really high line yeah. on a set piece. Northwestern five set yards piece, into their own half. Northwestern set piece right across the midway line. We've seen them turn these into chances all year. Hannah Davison was over it. She has a great right foot. And Minnesota elected to set their line even with the lacrosse line on that field. And that left 35 yards between them and their goalkeeper. Davison poked in a good ball that kind of <sighs> flattened. Hit in the box and then boom, the was there. To, didn't know what to do with it. And Michelle Trubisky, all she had to do was win a foot race. She did, and the goalkeeper probably made a little bit of a mess of it. But Trinesky when you was, set your line that high, you're asking your yeah, goalkeeper to make a bit of a mess of it. You're basically saying your goalkeeper. It's one thing if you set a high line and your goalkeeper's out to sweep it up, but Sharp was in her own net. Which leaves, as you said, Austin, 30 yards of space for anything to happen. And Cherneski did just enough to kind of bundle the ball over the line. Yeah. It was 2-0. Northwestern didn't look back from there. I don't necessarily think that Minnesota was on their game tonight. I think they are a better yeah. team than they, this. They played a style where they like to really possess the ball more than a lot of teams I've seen in women's soccer. Really locking in another team's half, moving around. But the passage just th- it wasn't They together. just weren't as sharp at Northwestern. Really, I think, in terms of a quality chance, allowed one in the first half that Clem came out and saved. In the second half, as you said, they had two good shots, but they weren't quality shots. They were well-taken chances from distance. Sure. One, Emily Heslin from outside the 18, a position that we've seen Lauren Clem get beat on a few times this year. Northwestern has conceded four times from shots outside the 18. Did really well to kind of stand her ground, go up, push the ball over the bar for the first big save. And then off of a set piece, Minnesota kind of got the ball into Kelly McGann. She ripped off a really nice yeah. curling effort with the outside of her foot that was spinning towards that post, and Lauren Clem did a great job to get over and push it aside. Two very good saves for her. But again, we've seen this time and time again for Northwestern. When they go up against dangerous singular players in attack, and that's what Sydney Squires is for Minnesota, that's what Colby Shiraka was for yeah. Rutgers, Northwestern has really kind of neutered those players. They've really not given up a ton of chances to really good players. When they're beaten, it's by comprehensive team play. It's not by individual bits of brilliance. And Sydney Squires, save for the first 10 minutes when she beat Hannah Davison and Kayla Sharples once or twice, didn't have anything the entirety of this match. And that speaks to how well Northwestern played defensively. Yeah, Northwestern just looked really good. The center backs, that's just the problem for another team. They're two really physical and fast center backs, and you're not going to be able to beat them if you're just one player by yourself. 
Um, I don't think there's really anything much else to add on that. The midfield held up well uh, in the first half. It was a top-to-bottom team effort here for Northwestern. They conceded some possession in the second half, but when you're up two goals, that's fine. But I thought they looked dangerous on the counter when they did concede that possession. They were threatening coming back the other way. This was just a really good, comprehensive 2-0 win. Exactly what you wanted to see in this match. Yeah, and moving on to the Wisconsin match on Sunday. We knew they weren't for real. We've been saying this on our podcast every week. Wisconsin was once ranked as high as number nine in the nation. And you can go back to when that ranking happened and hear Austin and I say, they are not uh, the number nine team. I don't country. buy it. We didn't buy it, and we were right. Northwestern, kind of a similar game. Two early first half goals. Did them in, and not a lot. And I think a very similar tale of the tape, Austin. One really good striker for Wisconsin in Danny Rhodes, their leading goal scorer. Nine goals, three assists. Shut down, and there just wasn't a lot in it. And this one wasn't even the Minnesota game. There really wasn't any chances for Wisconsin the entire match. Northwestern will love to see that. As you said, they took another kind of dangerous offensive player and just completely took her out of the match. What you like about this game is I think it showed the depth that Northwestern can have in the attack. The first goal came from the run of play. Really good job in the build-up. Jarentowski and Lavera getting credited with assists. And really, Gotti. really nice, just free-flowing goal. I think that's... One of the best team goals we've seen them score all And year. then, boom, straight after that, guess what? A set-piece assist for Marissa Vigiano. Chalk up another one. Grace Orndorff finishes it off. And that is where Northwestern, if they can get plays like this, where they dangerous from the run of play and then continue to be so dangerous from set-pieces, you don't want to play them because they can be that dangerous in attack. We've seen it at points this year, and I think that they're peaking at just the right time. Yeah, and I, even if you remove that Illinois game, I mean, it's hard to do that completely. But October has been really great for Northwestern. They've come around at the exact right time. They're hitting peak form. And I think that's what you want to see with the, the business end of the schedule coming up. And I've been impressed by, you know, the midfield and the forwards have really held their end of the bargain. Marissa Vigiano has been absolutely fantastic this year for Northwestern. She has taken a step up in the midfield, is now the type of distributor who is dangerous. And her set-piece delivery this she's, year, yeah. it's hard to remember a string of set-pieces where she's not made good and plays. Everyone within 40 yards, you know, it's going to be put into a dangerous area. And that doesn't mean they're going to score yeah. on every single one. It just one. means the other team has to defend, their goalie has to be aware, and you know that you have two incredible targets and anything can happen. And even if it's not that Brenna Lavera got, got a header against Wisconsin that almost went in, Grace Orndorff got it off of Michelle Trinesky header. Like, it's anything can happen, and that's the point. They're just such dangerous balls, they're so hard to deal with. And I think you're recognizing that the entire every Northwestern player in the box knows that if they fight for it, there's going to be at least a half chance there because Vigiano's delivery has been so good. And you juxtapose that against what we've seen from other teams. In that Minnesota game, there were numerous set pieces that the Golden Gophers just wasted. They had a couple of corners that they couldn't even spin in play that just went right over the crossbar yeah. out of play. That never happens for Northwestern. That doesn't yeah. mean they're creating a clear-cut chance on every single set piece, but it does mean the ball is getting put in dangerous areas and admit if you do that enough times in the match eventually you're going to get one home through sheer will of it six assists this year for Vigiano countless more dangerous balls I think she's been this team's MVP because yeah. of that set piece delivery the, the defense has been there and the defense is what makes this team able to play it at such a high level but she's been the best field player for Northwestern all season long uh I tweeted this once as not a joke not a joke I tweeted this once after one of the games that she has a serious candidacy for first-team All-Big Ten. 
Maybe Absolutely. she doesn't have the, the best stats, but you watch any Northwestern game and you do count the assists. The assists are great. You, it's really hard, I think, to say this year that she's not one of the best midfielders in the big game. Yeah, I think if you look at this Northwestern team, unfortunately for them, Lauren Clem is probably going to get beat out to goalkeeper of the year Murphy. by Casey Murphy, who has put up good counting numbers. Uh, Clem coming back with two straight clean sheets, though, has been big for this big team. Big 10 Defensive Player of the Week. Yeah, co-Big 10 Defensive Player of the Week. I think Kayla Sharples is a shoe-in for first-team All-Big 10. She's been fantastic defensively, has the three goals to her name offensively. And I think, as you said, Vigiano should be in that first-team All-Big 10 midfield because she's played that well this year. Yeah, I think that's probably a good reflection of what we'll see um, come award season. Let's move Maybe on. Maybe if they yeah. had a media vote, we could actually do that, but they don't trust people like us with those sort of things, I guess. Apparently there's just not enough ultras to give those votes. Although, you do, Austin, you do know what would happen if we got the votes. Lauren Clem, first-team All-Big Ten uh, goalkeeper. Yep. McKenna Angotti, first-team yeah. All-Big Ten right-back. Kayla Sharples and Hannah Davison, first team yeah. All Big Ten center backs. We, we don't need to keep going. Cassidy Gorman, first team All Big Ten left back. Yeah. Oh look, eleven Northwestern players made All Big Ten first team. You you could figure out what would happen if they left. Ohio the State didn't score a goal on us. I think I think you know what happened. Sure. Um, but hey, maybe give us some votes. We we love to vote. Just Let's talk Nebraska. Right. Let's talk Nebraska. This is a, an interesting team. I think you're really going to want to listen to what Moynihan has to say because they're they pose. A tactical challenge. They play 3-4-3. Austin and I haven't seen too much of the tape, but we know that means they're going to press hard, and this is a plucky team. Uh, this is a very solid Nebraska team, and have gotten a lot of good results by earning them. Nebraska's only been beaten once in conference play this year. They've got three wins to their name, they have that one loss, and they've pulled out four results, which is tough to do because you have to go 110 minutes to get results. Their only conference loss was a 1-0 loss to Ohio State. They held Penn State to a point. They held, <coughs> they got a point against Michigan, which was probably the most predictable result of the year because Michigan also has six draws to their name. A point against a tough Rutgers team. Indiana held them to a point. <coughs> so I think it's going to be hard for Northwestern to break down Nebraska. They have conceded a lot of goals, but they do fight for results really tough. Yeah. And I think the best comp for this game, at least in terms of the style that Nebraska is, will play, is Cincinnati. Game oh, Cincinnati, yeah. Who are you going to go with? I was thinking the best call for this game, it's going to look a lot like last year's Nebraska game. Sure. That was a 0-0 draw in the Big Ten quarterfinal. Sure. Northwestern won a penalty kicks. But if you're someone that's watched Northwestern play this year, you saw the Cincinnati game at home, it's going to be similar. And the four, the formations are different. Cincinnati did play four at the back. Nebraska's only going to put four, three at the back. They'll have four in the midfield. But Cincinnati loves to press high. I don't think Nebraska runs as many players in as Cincinnati does, mainly because I don't think it's possible for any team to run as many players <laughs> that's, in that's as Neil Cincinnati Stafford does. Special. It's a Neil Stafford special. And this is a Nebraska team that's been ranked for the first half of the year and receiving votes. This is a very solid team, and I think the really interesting thing for Nebraska is going to be their energy to press the entire game because they have to play Iowa on Wednesday at home in a very big game for their own aspirations. So you look at where Nebraska is at in the Big Ten table right now. They are three points back of Northwestern, but they are the only team along with Iowa that have games in hand. Nebraska and Iowa were due to play earlier this year. That game got postponed because of a illness that swept through the Nebraska team. So Nebraska has an extra game that they have to make up here down the stretch. That's on the road at Iowa City on Wednesday. You would presume then they'll go back to Lincoln and then yeah. have to come to Evanston on Saturday. That's a lot for a team to have to do in a stretch like that, especially for a team of it. It's going to play a high-pressing style. Energy levels is absolutely something to watch for in that yeah. match. And it's not easy for any team to come into Northwestern and earn a result. We found that out. Northwestern has simply put a very good team at playing at home. What's the number 
the last time Northwestern conceded at home was the Pepperdine game, right? Yeah. They have not conceded at home in conference play thus far this year. I believe that number is over 400 minutes now yeah. for the Wildcats. So they're in good shape. You look at the Nebraska team uh, as far as players are concerned. Haley Hansen leads them in goals scored with nine. She also has four assists. Missed her only penalty of the year for what it's worth. 5'6", midfielder, looks to be a good, solid Big Ten player. Elise Huber, the other goal scorer with seven. She only has tacked on one assist. She's a 5'4 forward, so not exactly going to be able to mix it up physically with Davison and Sharples, but might try to make those bending runs across the back line and, and split the defense. It's a dangerous Nebraska team. I think it's going to be a plucky Nebraska <coughs> team. I think that's probably the best adjective to describe them. But this is definitely a game that Northwestern can get three points from. I think it's the type of game where Northwestern, if they get a goal, they're going to be fine. But it's going to be one of those games that's going to be very hard to get a goal. And the longer it goes without a goal happening from either team, the cagier this match gets. Could you feel overtime here? I, this, is a, this is a team that has played Northwestern historically, in recent history, very close. So this is the type of game that screams out overtime. Good news for Northwestern, they will be rested. They have this week off. When was the last time, I believe the only overtime game Northwestern has played this year was the... Draw, oh, the draw against Rutgers. That was the last time. They the draw against Rutgers. Right. They also drew against Loyola Marymount. Loyola Marymount. That was the game I was thinking of. But, yeah, of course, yeah. they had that draw. But they have not had an overtime winner this year. Yeah. Um, I could feel an overtimer yeah. here. 2-1 uh, Northwestern. Sure. That's what I, I'm feeling. That feels like a good result. I always like to read this national statistic rankings just to see if we can glean anything from them. Uh, Nebraska second in the conference at shots per game. 17 shots per game. That's a lot. That's the... Uh, evident of their high-pressing style. But again, we saw that in Cincinnati. Yeah, and A lot of those shots were not dangerous. Yeah. We don't know what those shots will look like. And You'd think that if they were all dangerous, they'd be a bit better than they are. Yeah. They'd get more goals sure. if they had a better offense. Um, the other thing worth noting is that their goalkeeper makes two and a half saves per game. That's it. Uh, that's Aubrey Corder. That's, that's a low number for saves per game. That's actually one of the lowest in the country, in the bottom, like, one percentile. So, you know, Northwestern maybe have some shots from distance, too. See what happens. Set pieces for Northwestern. Marissa Vigiano is probably the key to every match Northwestern plays this year. If she can find space to work in the midfield from the run of play, and then if she gets dead ball situations in dangerous areas, Northwestern's hard to beat. I think that about wraps it up for us with women's soccer. They do have one game next week against Michigan State, a very key one, but it's on Wednesday. And next Tuesday when we record this, We'll have everything you need to know about what Northwestern expects from that last yeah, match. Yeah, and we can, we'll can. we run all the Big Ten permutations for you. It's going to be difficult for Northwestern to get a share of the Big Ten title at this point. Uh, cheer against Ohio State against Minnesota this week, but then yeah. you're going to have to cheer against Minnesota, against Nebraska. It's, it yeah. would take a lot for Northwestern. I think right now, if you're a Northwestern fan, which you probably are listening to this podcast, Northwestern- to be honest, <clears throat> if you're not a Northwestern fan and you're listening to this podcast, I really want to know how you found us. That's that's really interesting. Yeah. Well, please please send us in if you're yeah, if sure. you're not a Northwestern fan. If you are though, you want to be probably prompt- a Bashiktas fan. Yeah. True. <laughs> Wait for later in the podcast for that one. You want to be a top four team uh, in the Big Ten, and you know slightly I'd say tertiary objective would be to avoid Penn State in your one four two three matchup. But tertiary is even a stretch. It's because totally in the back of your head. And. You can't. It's not anything that Northwestern can really control there. It's going yeah. to be dependent on what Penn State does, dependent on what Ohio State does, dependent on what Minnesota does. So for Northwestern, I think of all the teams in the Big Ten, Penn State might give them the most problems. 
So, yeah, ideally you'd like to see them on the other side of the bracket. But if you're going to win the Big Ten Championship, you're going to have to beat them eventually. So yeah. it doesn't really matter, semifinals yeah. or so final. So I think right now, Northwestern, finish top four. That's number one goal. Yep. Number two, climb as high as you can in the Big Ten standings. You know, the higher the better. And then, you know, number three is how high, how well can they do in terms of NCAA tournament seeding the farther, the closer we get to it. Yeah, looking quickly at the RPI before we move on to men's soccer, as we touched on a little bit earlier, Nebraska's RPI is 61. So you'd expect a slight bump with a win there for Northwestern. Cats are on 44 right now. Or 40, yeah, yeah 44. Think, a slight bump with that. Michigan State at 99 probably won't do anything yeah. down for Northwestern. I think Northwestern wants to end the RPI run around 35. Sure. I think that's about where they'll end up if they can get two wins. Out of and, if, and if you look at a Big Ten tournament game, you could have another win there that will help your RPI purposes. Yeah. So, the Big yeah. Ten has done all of its team's favors by being good this yeah, year. Yeah, you look at the Big Ten as a conference. 13 of the 14 Big Ten teams are in the top 100 of the RPI. I counted the number earlier, and I don't remember it, so I'm going to count like it again. Five or four, six five, or in seven are in the top fifty. So this yeah. is a very deep, very solid conference, and that's going to help Big Ten teams when it comes to the NCAA tournament. We'll have a lot more for that uh, the farther we go on with this podcast. Maybe there'll be some women's soccer bracketology. No promises. It depends on my free time. Let's sure. move on to the men's team. Points, 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 points. Three points, three times for men's soccer. Wins over Western Illinois, wins over DePaul, and a win over Penn State. Rutgers. Rutgers. Close. Oh, close. Penn State comes later this year. Penn State year. comes later. I was thinking about last year. but You're predicting. You're predicting. Predicting. It's going to happen. Uh, good little stretch for Tim Lenahan's side. And this is what we said for this team. They just needed to get some positive results going in their way. They went to Notre Dame, and they played really well against Notre Dame. They lost in they, overtime. They were minutes away from getting But I think they felt really good about that match against Notre Dame. And look at what they've done since then. Western Illinois game at home, they scored three goals in the first half, hung on to the second half, 3-2 win. Tough situation going down to DePaul. Did not have a very deep bench for a midweek afternoon game against a cross-town rival. There were, there were classes, and the team wasn't that healthy. Um <laughs> Goalkeeper Miha Miskovic played in that game. That's what you need to know about how thin they Not were. in goal. In attack. Not in the field. Sure. 2-0 win for Northwestern. Went down a man, as we'll get to in a second. Pulled out a result from that match. And then Rutgers at home getting there, getting finally off the blocks in the Big Ten. A convincing 3-0 win. And this team, look at the three games they have less. Michigan State is the only game that's really difficult for Northwestern. Loyola and Penn State, they can improve their Big Ten seeding still. This is exactly what we expected. They just had to get that one result to go their way. Things have tumbled along since then, and it's kind of what we expected from this team. Yeah, I think they've been hard done by the seventh toughest schedule in the country, having to play all those top ten teams. Maryland, Notre Dame, Indiana, Michigan was ranked. It's a brutal stretch for any team. And now, because they gave themselves some belief by, by playing well against Notre Dame, it carried over into those, those next three games. And they're kind of clicking right now. Um, this Michigan State game is going to be hard, but it's in with Northwestern's reach. And even if not, I fully expect them. I'd say I feel confident at this point saying that that I want to get. A, I think they could get and should get a positive result against Lowell and Penn State. And then you know, Big Ten tournament after that, anything. The team can is always good in tournament situations because of the style they play. Let's talk quickly about these three games, kind of in depth here. Amit, you were on the call for Western Illinois. Three first half goals for Northwestern kind of looked like they were done and dusted. Western Illinois got two back late, couldn't find a third, 3-2 win. Northwestern played some of its best football I've seen all season in the first half. Um, just took it to Western Illinois. Camden Bisher was magnificent. 
I thought he was afforded a lot of time and space in the center of the park, which not often that happens to a deep-lying center midfielder, but he took advantage of it. A beautiful ball right down the middle to Viscomi, a nice shift ball over the top for Azumba, then finish things off with a penalty kick. I thought Western Illinois is a solid attacking team. They actually have some good attacking talent. Waylon and Pacheco, who both scored, each have seven goals this year. Yeah, it's a solid team, but they were open in defense, and Northwestern, I'm impressed that they took advantage because they're not a team that is designed to play offensively. That's not their style. They were able to adapt into a game where they should have played offensively, and they did. Second half, um, I think Tim Lenahan will tell you he was disappointed with this team that half. They didn't play well. Uh, they were kind of resting on their lead, and Western Illinois definitely made it more interesting than it should have been. That being said, three goals is three goals. It's very rare that you see that disappear. Sure. So they held on. Again, uh, they probably weren't impressed with how they played. But they, they did the job, and, you know, you score three goals, you're generally going to win. So I thought it was a good result for them, and it was deserved after the performance they put in at Notre Dame. Sure. After that, just two days later, Northwestern went to DePaul, pretty much 48 hours later, took the ride down to DePaul, right up against those train tracks on that DePaul pitch. Northwestern went down to 10 men. John Marderwell sent off in the 40th minute. At that point, the score was nil-nil. And that's a tough situation and to be in. And especially because Northwestern's back line is so thin. They really only have four out-and-out defenders that they can play. Ben Miller is kind of a fifth defender, but he's not really part of Lenahan's rotation. He played against DePaul because he, he had to. He had to. He had to come in. Jake Robert had to help out. And they went down and then went and got two goals. And this was a really scrappy game between... I mean, it's obviously hard fought between two city rivals, but this was not a game where they, oh, they should have taken this easily. They went down 10 men and got a result. Camden Bisher from the spot early on in the second half for the first. Mac Mazzola scored the second. 20 fouls for DePaul in this match, 13 for Northwestern. Cats gave up 17 shots, but only four of those were on target. This is a very good result for Northwestern to grind out a result in this match, especially after going down to 10. That's difficult for any team to do for that long of a stretch. They didn't just go down to 10 with a lead and then hang on. I meant they went down to 10 and still got two goals from it. I think it's their best result of the season, especially because it's their first away win of the season. The three wins uh, previously came at home to Valpo, UIC, and Western Illinois. They went on the road against the rival. They went down to 10 men and got a win. DePaul, you know, I don't think they're a great team. I don't think they're... Some talented players, though. But they have some talented players. I think on the road, this is the most impressed I've been with Northwestern this season to get a result. I like it. Uh, let's talk about the final of these three. Rutgers came to town. Northwestern 3-0 winners against the Scarlet Knights, who, hang on, I'm going to confirm this, but I believe are marooned at the bottom of the Big Ten table yeah. without a point. So we click on the this standings. Is, they are, this along is a game with Penn State. Where, yeah, this is a game that Northwestern, if they wanted to prove they were better than the teams around them, uh, they had to win convincingly, and they, and they did. did. And they did. They took care of business. Um, Tommy Katsianis got two goals. They just looked better, they looked faster, they looked crisper than Rutgers the entire time. The second half, uh, I thought it was similar to the Western Illinois half. Rutgers kind of came back and played well, but they didn't score, and it was fine. You know, it's hard to keep piling on goals against anyone in men's college soccer. So they, they did their job, and it was a really good first half. They just kind of cleaned sailed through, and the third goal uh, that Mac Mazzola scored was a terrible mistake by a Rutgers defender. It was off a goal kick, goalie passed it to the center back, Center back passed it forward, and it was intercepted by Mazzola, point blank. Uh-oh. Had one touch, uh, then shot it right around the keeper, and that was that. I'd see it. 
Ford Northwestern, the thing that kind of sticks out to me for this match is Tommy Katsianis scored the first goal for Northwestern, scored the second goal for Northwestern, also ripped off seven shots and put six of them on goal, which is a really good number for Northwestern. Katsianis is, is a player that I think we've seen really improve as this year's gone on. Yeah, he's taken time to, to come off uh, his mark, especially getting limited play time early in the season. I shouldn't say limited, but he's been getting more and more. He's been a starter. He got that goal against Notre Dame, and then he scored two against Rutgers, and he's been impressive because when he gets the ball, he's a really good dribbler, and he's able to keep it and then move the possession forward, which in theory sounds like simple. That's what you're supposed to do, but it's really hard to keep possession in useful areas. And then the finishing, I think, is a bit of an added bonus. Uh, he doesn't need to be the guy to get the goals, but on a team where you don't really have a reliable striker that can produce goals, not that Elozuma's not a reliable striker, he just doesn't have a track record of scoring a lot. Anyone that can score is is a bonus. And Tommy Katsiana stepped up, and I think this is going to be, he's going to have a really interesting career at Northwestern because if he could turn into a very dangerous attacking player and be a goal scorer, he could have, you know, one of the, the better years in recent memory. He could be the type of player that I think is a top attacking talent on a team at the top of the Big Ten. If Northwestern can support him with the right talent to get there in four years, he's that kind of level. Couldn't put it any better myself. Yeah, I think that about wraps it up for their past games. Uh, they do have two games coming up. They face Michigan State and Loyola. Michigan State ranked fourth in the country. This is just like those tough games Northwestern had to play earlier in the season. Austin, what's the blueprint here? Stop me if you've heard this before, but Northwestern is going to try and grind out a result against the Michigan State team. They're going to sit back, defend, take advantage of the few opportunities that they have, and see what they can do at the end of it. Michigan State, a very talented team. They're 10-2-2. Looking at these NCAA statistics, uh, they're the third best team in the country in shutout percentage. That's, That's really impressive. This is a very airtight defense. Uh, if, you're not, if you want a comparison, I think it's a little bit less like Notre Dame, uh, more like Maryland. Their defense is just really uh, imposing. Uh, they're second. Jimmy Only allowed eight goals all year. Yeah, Jimmy Haig, their goalie, is second in the country in shutouts. Eight goals all year. And four Nor- of those came against a really good Akron team. Yeah, this is kind of like a Northwestern's women's soccer last year type of back line. Scoring offense, they're kind of average. They don't, they don't score that much. Their calling card is their defense. Which, if you're Northwestern, is what you want to hear because you know you're going to have to front. Michigan State's going to be frustrated, have to come at them. Sure, I um, can see that I, as a result. I mean, we could talk about it more, but really, it's going to look like the other games Northwestern has played to get top talent. The question will be, as always, can they get to halftime without conceding? Can they find a goal somewhere against their own play? And if they do, uh, how good is their last ditch defending? Because we know Notre Dame was knocking on the door that whole match. Sure. Um, it wasn't like Notre Dame wasn't getting chances. They were. They were just going Northwestern's way. Northwestern needs a bit of luck uh, defensively. They need one piece of luck offensively, and it could happen. But Tim Lenahan usually gets a scalp every year, Austin. Hasn't gotten one yet this Hasn't year. got one yet. We thought Notre Dame would be it. That's not. So I, I don't know if either of us are predicting a win, but I just feel like you know Tim Lenahan has to get his, has to get his big result somewhere. I'm not predicting a win, but I will predict a point for Northwestern, 1-1. Point for Northwestern, 1-1. Uh, I'll agree with you, 1-1. I was going to say 0-0, but I realized Michigan State will probably score, so Northwestern needs, we'll score to find, needs to find a goal somewhere. Sure. Uh, let's talk about Loyola. Uh, 
not as great team as they were last year. They no. were a very good team, very good team last year. Northwestern didn't have to play them. The game was rained out. This is a very winnable game on all accounts for the Wildcats. Yeah, definitely is Loyola Crosstown team kind of right in the middle of where you're at as far as results are concerned. The type of game that Northwestern can definitely get a result from, another one of these home non-conference games where I think Northwestern can can definitely manufacture something. And you look at some of the, the two really common opponents that tell you a lot is they lost to Valpo 1-2, Team Northwestern beat 2-1, to and they drew UIC 1-1, a Team Northwestern beat 1-0. to And they are currently playing against DePaul right now about 23 minutes into that match. Not sure what the result is. Not don't sure. Care, what, don't care quite enough. Not sure know. exactly what, what we want to find. But they're five five and two. Uh, you look winnable at their, for Northwestern. Very winnable. You look at their stand, their national rankings again, as I always love to do. Very unremarkable. There's not that many teams in men's soccer as there are in women's soccer, and they're in the bottom twenty fifth five percent of just about everything: shots, goals, offense. Uh, really, not a lot to write home about this team. Sure. Uh, I think that about wraps it up for men's soccer. You want to give a prediction for Loyola? No, I was just getting hyped for the Champions League. Talk okay, well, three points for Northwestern against yeah, yeah, Loyola. Course, I feel would there be anything different? No, I think this yeah. is a home non-con game. Right. Northwestern's book it three and zero of those so far. I think this is a comfortable. Well, I should say comfortable, but this is a game Northwestern should take care of. Yeah. I'd say one zero, maybe two zero. Uh, that about wraps it up for our Northwestern soccer talk all around. We're on to. Some Champions League, Austin. This is going to be the only soccer podcast you listen to this week that's going to start its Champions League coverage with Besiktas because the boys have taken nine points from nine, three wins, no losses, no draws, came from behind at the Stade Louis II against Monaco. Falcao thought he was going to be all cheeky and score first. Our Turkish man Tosin with a brace. 2-1, we're on nine points. Book the tickets. Besiktas is really, really good. Nine out of nine. There's not that many teams in the Champions League doing that. And to come back against Monaco, who is a very solid side in Europe, this Besiktas team is for real, Austin. I told you. I told you from the start they were going to make the quarterfinals. I'm not changing that now. Uh, very good result. And Monaco, uh, quietly a very good team. Falcao actually has a very good Falcao's goal. Great. He has a very good goal-scoring record in the Champions League. 55 games, 46 goals. That's That's elite. Besiktas are sitting really good in their group now. Uh, Red Bull on four, Porto on three, Monaco on one. Besiktas already on nine, already halfway through. They'll like where they're at in Group G. Feel feel pretty confident. Uh, they have to They'll get Monaco back at home. Yeah, you don't go into the Vodafone. Yeah, uh, that's a really tough place to play. Uh, anything else you want to add for Besiktas? I think they're going to be the team that everyone thinks. You said this last time. They're the they're the the winner of a group that every good place loser second team draw. wants to play, and it's a mistake. You don't want to go to the Vodafone. Uh, Austin and I said I think maybe three weeks ago that uh, we're we're thinking about a spring break trip only for the quarterfinals. Only for the quarterfinals. So if Besiktas gets out of that round of sixteen, you know where to find Austin and I. It's true. It's true. Uh, Liverpool seven nil against Marabor. That went about <laughs> as expected. Firmino scored four <laughs> minutes in, and they didn't really look back from that point. So good to see Liverpool, if you're a Liverpool fan, take care of that. Spartak on five with Liverpool now, Sevilla on four. Very good result four. for Spartak. Sevilla is a good team, and yep. Spartak, uh, as other teams have shown in the past in the Champions League, you don't want to go five to, one. A, to, to, to Moscow. 5-1. It's pretty impressive. Uh, the game of the, Well, I guess there were two games of the day. I know the game of the day for you, Amit, 
was Tottenham Hotspur at Real Madrid. Looked like Harry Kane scored a goal. Kane out to was be an old goal, goal for Raphael Varane. But uh, this was a really good result for Tottenham, especially considering that Dortmund tied up well. Tottenham is in really good shape. They did their job at beating Dortmund. No one expected them to get a point on the road at the Bernabeu. They did. And it's huge. Now, that being said, I know people are saying the narrative of Tottenham showed their class. They really came to the Bernabeu and held up. They held their ground. They did, but this is a game Madrid should have won given better finishing from Karim Benzema. I think you give Hugo Lloris a ton of credit for making ridiculous saves. And to be fair, Kaylor Navas made some big saves on Harry Kane. So it wasn't all one-sided, but if this game was played 10 times out of 10, I think Madrid wins eight of them. A good result for Tottenham, and they, they should take the confidence of that and feel really good about their chances to progress. But there was a little bit of luck, too. In this game, Real Madrid won a penalty. I will give you one guess at who took it. Was it uh, Cristiano Ronaldo? It was. What do you know? Cristiano Ronaldo <sighs> patting his Champions League goal-scoring this, tactics. Another favorite little tick of the Kick It It podcast is that Cristiano Ronaldo loves to score uh, in the Champions League however he can. We're going to have to set a little uh, little friendly wager on sure. how many goals Cristiano scores against Apoel. Yeah. Uh, he knows he's got one more. He's yeah. got one more <laughs> chance against Apoel so yeah. far. Could have a dead rubber somewhere yeah. down the line. Yeah. Uh, the other game that was really good, Man City. A 2-1 win over Napoli. And, uh, I know we both follow the Premier League. Man City quietly looked like, I, would say, I don't know about quietly anymore, they looked like one of the best teams in Europe. Yeah. Their first half was really, really impressive. Uh, they did benefit from Napoli bricking a penalty straight down the middle, but until they gave away that penalty, City were completely dominant. Sterling scoring nine minutes in. My man Gabriel Jesus scoring 13 in. Manchester City looked really, really good. Admittedly, I fell asleep for the final 25 minutes of this match, so I couldn't tell you how Napoli got back in it. It says it was a penalty. Sure, I'll trust it. Uh, but City looked really good for the portions that I was awake for. City's offense is just loaded with playmakers. Uh, this is going to be a really hard team to catch in the Premier League, and it's going to be really exciting because if they keep on this pace, they're due for a very big meeting in a quarterfinal yeah. against a very good side, and this might be the year that an English team could get to the final. So I, it's, it's, sure. early, it's early to say that, but I'm very impressed by this Manchester City team. Need to make sure they win that group, because you don't want to go into the Vodafone for the round yeah, of 16. that's not a so game you want to see. Probably uh, the shock result <clears throat> of the day, Applewell won, Dortmund won. Dortmund sleepy. Uh, our coach hasn't done a great job so yeah. far. It's It's been rough from Dortmund. They played an open game at Wembley, which was the mistake. They should have lured Tottenham out into an open game, because that's how teams have beat them. They played an open game against Madrid, which... I think they that they weren't going to concede their style, and Madrid rightly rightfully punished them. Dortmund has a lot of work to do if they want to get out of this group. Yeah, they're six points back of Tottenham and Real. <coughs> they still have to play each of them twice. It's a must win against Applewell, and then you need either Real or Tottenham to win in that next match, and then hope that you can take three points off the other. Goal differential not in their favor either. It's going to be really really tough for them to get back in this. Yeah, Applewell, very good result for them at home. Uh, I mean, obviously, they're not going anywhere, but Dortmund... Europa League's not out of the question. Yeah, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Dortmund, Dortmund has to just get to the Europa yeah. League at this point. Um, Shakhtar, my other team. I got three teams <laughs> in this thing. I got Besiktas. I'm a big Shakhtar fan. They, Shakhtar Bernard, apparently a Palmeiras target, I found really? out today. Yeah, his contract runs out in June of 2018, so... 
my favorite thing about Shakhtar is that they have this guy that played for them in the mid two thousands called Ross von Rott. Sure, I, I, I might have told you this yeah. about this guy. He went to West Ham for a year, and it was the first year I played fantasy Premier League, and I thought it was like fantasy football. I thought you needed to maximize your value by getting sleepers that could produce. Uh huh. That's not the way fantasy soccer works. Uh, you want to fit as many good players into your squad as you can under Sally Cap. How'd Ross von Rott do for you? It was this was me, maybe fifteen years old, going, "Ah, right, guys, I got this sleeper. He's from Shakhtar Donetsk. He's a Ukrainian champion. His name is Ross von Rott. He's going to be a great defender." Ross von Rott played in three matches all season, uh, went back to Shakhtar and then retired. Sure. Uh, I'm a big Shakhtar fan. Um, good for them. I think they, yeah. can, they can sneak in. They really yeah. can sneak into the they knockout round. They have a three-point edge on Napoli so far. Napoli still have the return fixture against Man City that they have to try to get something from. If Shakhtar can turn around and get another three off of Feyenoord, yeah. you never know. They could get out of there. Yeah. Uh, Napoli's going to be on their heels, but that, that reverse fixture, I think, as you yeah. said, is going to be the game of the group. Uh, let's look a quick bit at tomorrow before we close out the pod a bit. Carabag! Last chance saloon for the boys. Do or die for Carabag. Last chance saloon. Diego Simeone is not going to be happy about bringing his boys. Well, see, here's the thing. (laughs) Diego Simeone, like, needs three points from this. Atletico Madrid are only on one point right now. Chelsea on six. Roma on four. Uh, Our boys on zero. If you're going to make the Europa League, you probably need three <laughs> points from this match. So we'll see what happens for Carabag. And the goal differential is not there for them. They're minus seven, so Carabag's got some work to do. Uh, just get three points tomorrow and see what happens. Um, Go from there. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a tough sailing. Pick out one other match that catches your eye from the fixture list tomorrow. Uh, great it's sale. not a great fixture list. I think Sporting's kind of plucky, but they're on the road. Uh, Celtic has frustrated Bayern. Uh, I'm actually interested for Man United to go on the road to Benfica. I think Benfica is always a solid team. Man, you have yeah, looked good. very good uh, this season in the Champions League and domestically. I think that's a good test for Mourinho uh, on the road. I'm not watching any of these matches. These are all bad. I probably won't. I, guess I, Chelsea, probably, I probably won't be either. I guess Chelsea Roma, but sure, whatever. Sure, I mean that game looks like the biggest on paper in terms of quality of the two sides, but I don't really want to watch uh, Chelsea for Roma. It's not, it's not a game I'm excited no. about. All right, cool. That does it, then. Sums it up for us. Uh, it's been another great episode of Kicking It. Again, if you listen this long, just hit the little 15 button over. You'll get to Michael Moynihan's interview. If you stuck with us this far, boy, thanks for listening. That's all I can say. It's been a pleasure, as always. On behalf of Austin Miller, I'm a bit Malik. This has been Kicking It, the Northwestern Soccer Podcast. And now, time for that weekly interview with Michael Moynihan. Bajik is booking their tickets to the Champions League final in Kiev! Hi, I'm Amit Malik of WNUR Sports here with head coach Michael Moynihan from Northwestern's women's soccer team for our weekly chat. Coach, your team had a great weekend. Uh, two 2-0 wins against teams in the top 30 in the RPI. You talked about this was a big weekend last week. How do you feel uh, now that your team has answered the challenge? Uh, well, it feels very good. You know, we, we had dropped two games that, um, I don't know, we felt... Uh, like we were the better team in both and certainly had opportunities to win both of them. So uh, searching for answers, you know, in terms, in terms of scoring goals and stuff like that. Um, and I thought the team responded with great commitment and energy and took care of a lot of little details that, you know, I think we were missing in some of the prior matches. So it was a, it was a great turnaround for the team and hopefully we can keep that momentum going. I'll start with the Minnesota match last Thursday. Um, you guys, in both matches, you jumped on them in the first half, came out really well. 
This one was two set-piece goals. How, how did you feel your team handled Minnesota in the opening stages to, to get that early boost? Yeah, I mean, it's nice to score on set-pieces. You have to do something to earn them, and um, I thought our team did very well with that. Uh, the first, I don't know, five, five to eight minutes or so, I wasn't too pleased with the... Um, commitment to ball winning. There's a lot of challenges that we were losing and not really challenging very very well for, which kind of surprised me because I thought that was something that uh, we'd been doing fairly well. And uh, But once that kind of fell into place, I thought we really took over the, the momentum um, and uh, created some good chances to score. We were consistently dangerous on the set pieces. We were earning lots of set piece opportunities. So, um, you know, the, the field was definitely tilted in one direction, and I was very glad that we were able to take advantage of that. And then, end of the first half, they, they came in a little, but you scored a, a goal, as you said, I think, in your interview in the, in the game, uh, against the run of play. Kind of what happened on, on that one, and was it unusual for them to be setting such a high line, or is that something you, you knew they were kind of going to do? No, it was interesting, because in the run of play, they'd been holding a high line, uh, pretty consistently throughout the season. It was something we felt that we could, you know, get behind. Um, within a lot of the set pieces, though, they were dropping off very, very aggressively uh, in a lot of the video. And I, I maybe they were trying to fix that um, and, you know, were making an effort to hold the line and maybe just did it a little bit too high. Um, but I was kind of surprised, um, you know, by where they drew their line and, you know, we were able to serve it behind them, and then I think there was a little bit of miscommunication with their last defender and their goalkeeper, and we were able to capitalize on it. So, uh, glad that we were able to take advantage. They didn't really have too many great quality chances in the second half, but two kind of long shots. Warren Clem made great, great saves on. What do you see from your defense to kind of get back on track with the shutouts? Even though their de- the defense played all right against Illinois and Purdue, but you know at least no goals allowed. What was working for them? Yeah, um, yeah it's quite a while now since we've allowed a goal through the run of play, so that's I think fantastic. And you know they're communicating a little bit better in sync maybe than they were early in the year. Um, I think our midfield, you know, defending better in front of them certainly contributes. Uh, I think our midfield in the last you know four games has been outstanding in terms of really dictating the, the play within the game, showing a lot of energy to pressure the ball, uh, doing a little bit better job tracking. So, you know, a lot of that contributes to, to our defenders having a little bit more success as well. Uh, and then, of course, you know, they're tough, they're scrappy, they're good in the air. You know, they're really hard to break down individually. So, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully we can continue with that stuff. Moving on to this Sunday's afternoon game against Wisconsin, uh, you guys scored two first-half goals. Uh, first one was from the run of play, McKenna and Gotti getting up the field after she had kind of switched sides for a few minutes. What was, what was behind that goal, and how did she get in such a great position to score? Um, well, McKenna likes to attack. You know, she's, uh, I think earlier in the year, she had a, a goal, um, and she's generated some good chances for us, you know, with her attacking play down the right side. Uh, in this game, it just so happened uh, due to a corner kick play that we ran, Cassidy ended up kind of more on the right side, and then as they recovered, they just stayed where they were um, through the run of play. They didn't really have an opportunity to switch, and um, I don't know, you know, McKenna 
it was a really nice build-up play, actually. It started with Cassidy on the right side, and, you know, she swung it around to Kayla, swung it to Hannah, Hannah played forward to Kim, Kim did really well to break pressure and play Brenna, and I think, you know, part of our, our game plan, something that we had talked about, was um, they have a tendency to send their, their outside backs pretty high, Wisconsin, and we wanted to try to get in behind them, and uh, I think... Um, McKenna, you know, saw that opportunity. You know, she was screaming for it. Brenna found her, and she did well to place it. So all around, I thought it was good awareness of the situation and uh, great energy to get forward. Second goal was kind of a scrappy goal, but another set-piece one. This one scored by Grace Orndorff. Do you see anything special in that one, or was it just a good ball in the right area? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I haven't looked at that one uh, too closely again. Um, been working on a few other things, and... Uh, you know, I know Vidge has been serving a lot of really nice balls. Um, you know, against Illinois, it was a little bit disappointing because we had we had a lot of opportunities off set pieces, and the, the service wasn't really as consistent as it's been. And and then you know, coming back to these last two games, she's been really deadly. So uh, Grace is somebody who just you know she works her tail off day in and day out, and um, she's hungry to get after the ball. So it doesn't surprise me that, you know, in training, there's a lot of times where she, she's the one that finds a way to get to the ball and, and punch it in. So uh, it was good to see her do that on senior day and, you know, uh, and uh, put us in a two goal, you know, give us a two goal cushion. You guys do have one more home game left, at least in the regular season, but what were the emotions like on senior day? Seven seniors, I think all of them got to, to play in the match as well. What was it like for you as the coach? Oh, it was nice. You know, it's a, they're a great group. Um, you know, I, I told the players, you know, everybody comes here and hopefully learns something in their four years and, and grows. And this group, I think, has shown uh, a tremendous amount of growth in just understanding team dynamics. And, and uh, they've matured so much. And I think the team is benefiting a lot this year from, from, that, uh, from their experiences and the things that they've learned. Um, great commitment to the team and um, every single one of them is improving like every single day which is fantastic you know sometimes you get to senior year and um, you're just kind of hanging on and your your mind turns to the careers and jobs afterward and other you know things in life and uh, this group every single one of them I mean they, they show up every day to train hard and they just keep getting better and better and it's uh, nice to see them enjoying some of the fruits of their labors you guys have two games left in the regular season. You sit in fifth place now, but can control your destiny with two wins. You would guarantee fourth place and home field advantage in that Big Ten quarterfinal. Is the team aware of that? How do you feel about these last two games and at least the fact that you can control where you end up? Yeah, it's nice to be back in some control. Um, you know, we're... We have our sights set on a few things. You know, we want to get as high a seed as we can. We'd certainly love to be hosting a Big Ten tournament game, so that's a major goal for us. Um, we'd also like to be able to, you know, secure an NCAA bid, and uh, we're right in that range again where, um, you know, we had kind of dropped out of that with the loss to Illinois, and we, you know, earned our way back into consideration. So we want to keep that going as well. Uh, so there's, there's an awful lot to play for. The team's very aware. You know, we're approaching every game like it's a must-win situation and um, see where that takes us. Focus on the one game this weekend uh, on Saturday evening. You host Nebraska, a solid attacking team. What are you expecting from this game from the Huskers who had a lot of draws this year, but you mentioned to me very kind of unorthodox formation as well. Yeah, um, 
you know, they, they, they play with three in the back, and um, they're a very aggressive team uh, in their mentality. They, they really like to attack. They show a lot of energy going forward. Um, you know, I think it's a, it's a very difficult team to play against. And when you look at our results over them over the last few years, they've, they've all been really, really tight battles. And last year, you know, in the Big Ten tournament, it took penalty kicks to, to get by them. Um, so I expect another. You know, they're, they're in the hunt in the thick of things for a top four seed as well, uh, maybe even more. Uh, they have a game Wednesday against Iowa, and uh, you know if they get a result there, they're you know they're thinking finishing pretty high in the Big Ten. So uh, it's going to be a tough one. You know, RPI, they're right around the same as us. I think they're like two or three spots below us. So um, you know we're right there with each other. There's a lot on the line, and it's it's going to be a game that's going to require a tremendous amount of energy. What are you expecting specifically from your squad, maybe a, a player to watch or a group to watch? I know you always mention you want to get as many scores as you can involved, and your team has kind of done that in the last, the last two games at home. What, who do you want to step up for your team to, to help you guys get this, this big win this weekend? I'll settle for anybody. Uh, you know, I think there's the way the game could play out. Um, a, a lot of Nebraska's games tend to be pretty wide open because they attack so much. Uh, they leave themselves a little bit exposed at times, so you're seeing some multiple goal games. Um, it's going to be open, and I think you know it's going to come down to who takes their chances. Um, I think you know where we've done really well in the last couple of games, as well as in the midfield, and um, you know being able to control the tempo. If our midfield can do that, then I think we'll be in good shape. Last question, you know, I mentioned before, last home game at least of the regular season, the team always seems to be fired up at home. How's that going to come into play again this this one last time at least before we see whatever happens in the postseason? Well, I, you know, the crowds seem to keep getting bigger every game, so that's a good sign. Um, you know, I think with some of the momentum coming off of last weekend, hopefully we can get a good crowd out there and, um, you know, get a good atmosphere. Um the players take tremendous pride in playing at home, so we want to defend our turf, and we want to earn the right to be playing at home in the Big Ten tournament. So I, I would expect it to be a very uh, energetic performance and very focused. Great. Thanks a lot, Coach. Good luck this weekend. All right. Thank you.